Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist and the host of this podcast, From Crisis to Connection. This is a podcast about relationships, the relationships with others, of course, but also the relationship with ourselves and the relationship with our higher power. I believe we experience our deepest joys when we're in harmony with these relationships. But when we lose that connection to ourselves and others through our own unhealthy behaviors like addictions, infidelity, secrecy, abuse, and so on, or we lose it by being betrayed by someone else's choices, it throws us into crisis. Getting out of crisis and living in connection isn't always straightforward or easy, but it is possible. And that's why every week I bring you incredible guests who share their life experiences and expertise to help you move from crisis to connection. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Today's episode is an episode about hope. My guest today is Heidi Tucker, who is an award-winning author and speaker. Her first two books, Finding Hope in the Journey and Survey Song, have won Book of the Year, Best Inspirational and Best Cover Awards. And today I'm going to talk with her about her newest release called The Secret Keepers. And when Heidi first approached me and we were talking about her joining me on the podcast around this story, I wasn't quite sure if this story was the right fit for the podcast. But then I read the book and I knew that this was something that was important to share with this audience. This story is about resilience. It's about coming back from unspeakable odds. It's about extending forgiveness and healing and learning how to rise above darkness, which is a message not only all of us need, but especially people who are trying to heal from the impact of trauma, abuse, and other types of things that happen in families and other relationships. Heidi will tell us about her interactions and meeting with this individual who she covers in this book and tells her story. And it's such a powerful message. And I do want to warn you that if you have been abused or you come from a background where you've experienced some of these really difficult things, childhood sexual abuse, physical abuse, then just be gentle with yourself and respect your own boundaries. If this topic is difficult for you or you don't feel like you are in a really steady place right now where you could listen to something like this, we don't go into a lot of details at all. The focus is mostly on the healing and the hope, but obviously we still have to tell part of the story. So please be careful and be aware of what you need. Just want to make sure you're informed about that before we jump into this podcast. But I love Heidi's attitude, her positivity, her willingness to take on tough stories and share them without flinching, without hiding, without shame and judgment, but really presenting these really strong and courageous women who have overcome such difficult odds and have found hope, have found healing. I'm excited to share with you my interview with Heidi Tucker. Heidi, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here. Thank you. Good to be here, Jeff. So I just finished reading your book, 
And I'm just so excited to share this story with my listeners. It is an unusual story. It's not something that most of us have any sort of exposure to or background with, but there are some very powerful lessons that I think apply to all of us. And I I wanted you to talk about this on the podcast today in terms of just long-term healing, grappling with things that sometimes we don't get answers to, taking responsibility for our own healing, walking toward the light. There's just so many themes that I think are universal yeah. as we're all sorting through things. But yeah, so I'm just really, really excited to, to dig into this and really talk about this incredible story of survival, betrayal, survival, hope, and that, right. that you know, this journey right. she, she's been on. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves, though. I'd love to set this up and have our listeners understand you know, a little bit about you know, who you are, how you came into this, who this person is, why you wrote the book. Give me just uh, some headlines here on what, you know, what this is, how you got involved. Yeah, absolutely. So my first book out is called Finding Hope in the Journey. And I released that back in 2015. And, and then I followed that up with another book called Servi's Song, which is about a woman from Africa who encounters horrific trauma and how she comes to the United States and endures more trauma and horrible tragedies in her life. But she just keeps picking herself up over and over again to the point that as a reader, you say, you know, how many times can this woman keep getting up? And so it's a real motivational, inspirational book. That's what I write is nonfiction inspirational. And so Margie, who is the subject of The Secret Keepers, this third book that we're going to talk about today, she read those first two books. And we have a common friend. And that common friend called me one day and said, hey, Heidi, would you do me a favor and just call Margie? She's had kind of a hard life. And it would mean the world to her if you called her and just said, hey, thank you for loving my books, you know, as the author. And so I did that. I love to do that. I love connecting with readers all over the place. And so I did that. And we had a good little talk. And she said to me, you know, I have a story too. And I said, really, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. A lot of people say that to me because they know that I write nonfiction. I love true stories. And so I thought, okay, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, Jeff, in five minutes, I was up scrambling for a piece of paper and a pencil. You know, this was something I had never heard before. I understood very quickly that Margie had survived horrific childhood abuse and trauma. Yes. So she was very open about that. And, but at the same time, so it broke my heart within that hour conversation. She broke my heart and then lifted it because what I heard her keep coming back to was gratitude, so much gratitude for things in her life, for this persistence and this endurance and this faith that she clung to, you know, her belief and her faith in Christ was just so deep and so sure, despite, you know, all of the things that had happened to her. And so I just kept thinking, wow, this is, this is some story. And I agreed to meet her the next time I came to Utah. And so I did that and I met her in person. We spent about three hours together. And when I left her home, I knew I had my next project. I mean, I I knew, I knew I was called to write this book. There's just no question in either of our minds that we were put together to tell this story. And so what I heard in her story in that dark story is I could see light and I could see hope. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stories that I want to write. I don't, I'm not a Stephen King author, right? <laughs> Her story could be a Stephen King novel. You know, it could be really, really horrific could. with lots of graphic details. That's not what I wrote. I wrote a story of hope and of pulling out and rising up from the ashes of abuse. And, right. and so that's just what caught my attention. And I thought I need to write about this. Well, and I think I, you know, and I, as I read the book, I felt like you did a really excellent job of keeping those details you know, at bay in the sense that you, yes. you know, en- enough to understand the context, enough to understand what she really overcame, enough to see how she completely is overcoming the odds, but to not get so lost in those details, just from a sensational or, or salacious sort of point of view, where you can just, you know, right. almost become voyeuristic in something that really is, doesn't need any more attention. It's, it's very dark. No, that's really not the point of the story. No, and no. We hope in addition to just inspiring people who know nothing about this and are just inspired by people who rise up from really incredibly difficult situations, we also hope to touch other survivors with her story to let them know you are not alone in this. And we can't fill a book like that with triggers, right? No, no. I have to be really careful about that. And so we did that intentionally. As I well think as you did a great job of walking that line. I think that it's thank it's, you. A, it's enough to understand what's going on with it. And I find this also with, you know, as I work with different organizations and read and support people that are dealing with like things like human trafficking or sure. these really these really dark underbelly of society, awful, unspeakable yeah. things. We have to speak about them. People's stories need to be witnessed so that we we know that they know that we can face things with them and, yes. and help them get to safety and light. And I think you did a great job balancing that. Thank you. That was, yeah. the, that was our intent. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. In fact, it just won an award. It just won an award for Enduring Light Best Inspirational Book for 2021. And it's, it's a panel of, pardon me. <laughs> Say congratulations. I'm not surprised. Thank you. It's a panel of Christian judges who yeah. judged this book. And I, it means the world to me because really for a book with a subject matter that deals with abuse and trauma, for them to see that, no, this is a book about light and about inspiration. That's yeah. just, I'm like, wow, that's they what we tried it. to do. Yeah. Right. They understood yeah. it. Love it. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I'm so glad you guys were put together and, and that this could come out of it. And so I'd love to have you jump in and give us a brief summary of her story, of her history. Yeah. She's a survivor of childhood abuse that began at the age of about four or five And that abuse primarily came from her father, but it also came in other ways from her mother and from other people. Essentially, she was sort of trafficked out in a way, you know, with the ritualistic abuse. So it was just a horrific upbringing where every single day in her life was filled with fear and the dread of what's coming. And so I, I know just in, in the research that I've done, I'm not a therapist, but in the, in the the two years of research and work that I did preparing to write this story, I know that in children under the ages of eight, that when they are subjected to relentless abuse and trauma for which there is no escape, this protection is in our mind to just dissociate ourselves from it. I mean, it's really an escape. And that's what she did is she, she dissociated and she's got these parts that essentially are frightened children that took pieces of that abuse for her so that she could survive what she was undergoing for years and years and years. And so she goes on in her life and and the book sort of follows her in her life. And you see through her eyes, you get to see what it's like to live with a mind that is betraying you that way. 
you get she gets begins to get glimpses and views of things that have happened and she thinks why would i ever see that in my mind why would i hear that you know why would i feel that nightmare the way that i'm feeling this nightmare that i had last night so you get to follow that with her and then soon those memories start to leak those parts start to come forward which is common with did often women or men in their 30s it starts to sort of present itself as it did with her and of course the survivor is left thinking that they're just going crazy that they're and if they say anything they'll be thrown into a mental institution right so it's so frightening and who do i trust and all of that so we get to see that but we see at the same time we see her raising her own children we see her grasping onto her beliefs and her faith and to pull herself up from what's happening and ultimately she gets with a therapist who correctly diagnoses her after several failed to do so and she begins to heal with some really good therapy and we see her rise up and celebrate life and make a real difference in the world now by telling that story of hope yeah and is she still married to um, yes what's to Dennis? Dennis yeah yeah i you know she's obviously the you know the main character but i as far as heroes go i was i was really blown away by to hit him who he is and and how completely he completely isn't her. he just the quiet hero of the story honestly yeah. that's a great way to put it i i just yeah. thought i just kept waiting for him to leave uh-huh <laughs> i just thought there's going to be some plot twist here where she'll be abandoned by it. but he stayed with her through all this as she discovered what she was going through and Right. I think they, they met when they were 15, when she was 15, I think. Yes. High school, high school sweethearts. Yeah. So he was there. He was there from go and, uh -huh. and was with her the whole way. But right. Yeah. And I, if you could explain to our listeners a little bit more about DID, what it stands for, how it forms and how it in your book, one thing I loved is how you really, and I know this came from her therapist, Jay, but, but how it was really reframed as a gift. Yes. For the, for the survivor. Can you talk about that, please? Right. I see along with her therapist, who I've spent so many hours with, I see dissociative identity disorder as not a mental illness. Margie's brain, when she was born with a healthy, beautiful, functioning brain, and what happened to her caused her brain to split into these parts. So I see the act of dissociating as a protection not as a mental illness. It's a protection that God right. gave us and God gives specifically children, but it also happens to war vets and some others who are in traumatic right. events. Mm -hmm. Anybody with severe PTSD, it's a protection. It's a beautiful protection that we have to escape what is happening. And so in Margie's case, the abuse was so multidimensional that different parts have taken different pieces of that abuse. Right. So it allows right. a part to come forward. She kind of just, you know, she's out. She's out of there and just sort of steps into the background emotionally, mentally, as this other part comes forward and says, I'll take this. Right. I'll take this. And so that's all good as a child. Those pieces learn to take that. They learn to protect what the host or the core, which is Margie. But at some point, a trigger happens in this woman's life and it causes a part to come forward because they they hear a song, they smell something, they see somebody, you know, it can be anything. And that trigger causes that part to come forward because they're ready to do their job, which is protect those parts. Even today, 
those frightened children parts don't fully understand that they are safe now. So she has to learn through this amazing therapy. She learns to tap into her core, her divine identity, and to be out front and to be the boss Mm -hmm. and says to the other parts, you stay behind me. I don't need you today. Yeah, I love that. I love that imagery. And I mean, the part that I'm hearing, especially is that it's almost like she, you know, she gets to parent these younger, scared children who right. never had any protection. Right. They never had anybody looking out for them. And so they, they had to step in and do a really, really important job to keep her alive and keep her safe. Yeah. But they, but they don't know that they're done. <laughs> they're, they don't know they're done. They don't know right. they can be done. They don't know that this is, that they're, that they did a great job and that it's, it's time to to, you know, to be done. And so I love, yeah, it seemed like as the book went on, like she just kept, you know, like you said, just discovering through experiences, new parts and new, new protectors, new pieces of this identities. You know, I'm not not sure what the language is around that. You've, you've done a deeper dive into this than I ever have, but it's not a population I work with, but I'll tell you all of us, like, you know, all of us have parts inside of us and little things like that. And and these just get, these just get more cemented, right? These become much more profoundly affected perhaps than just, you know, all of us kind of feel like, oh, there's a part of me that wants to do this and a part of me who doesn't. And, you know, we mm-hmm. talk like that sometimes, but this sure. is, this is more, this is definitely like more of a survival identity type thing where, where like you almost switch into a reaction that just doesn't really match the current context at all. Yeah. But I love, I love where she goes eventually with that, you know, initially she's terrified and frightened and, and hates these parts right? Because they come forward and they frighten her, right? Because they bring memories with them. Whenever they come forward, they bring memories and they bring feelings, causing her to have to sort of feel that experience again. And what she has, what she, where she goes with that is now it's almost like a, a track of love and forgiveness as she now looks at those parts as, okay, they were protecting me. They were there to protect me. So she loves them and she respects them for what they did for her. And so now it's just a, she's able to address that in a more open fashion and accept that. And it's helped her to heal. Just as I think all of us, you know, with all of us having experiences of crisis or anything in the past, we sort of, we learn to sort of sit with that, sit with that and recognize that that is what happens to us. That is a part of our life. And now I'm going to embrace that and move forward in a better, more positive way. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well put. I mean, I think that some people might hear a story like this and think, well, I don't have different identities with different names and that right. are just popping up like this, but we do. We talk a lot about triggers. We talk a lot about feeling mm-hmm. like, like we have unwanted memories or unwanted reactions to things that come up for us unexpectedly. Yeah. And the same work that Margie has done and is, continues to do is learning how to integrate those back in, like you said, into a cohesive whole, but with the direction of her core self driving the bus. Like it's, it's like, right. And identifying her, what is her divine identity? Who is in charge here? Right. And yeah, just, I understand that work. That's, you know, as I think about experiences, hard experiences I've had or things I've been through that where I felt powerless and I become avoidant or reactive or things like that. Sure. That's just good, healthy adult work. We all have to do is to put is to be able to to direct and integrate those things back into our narrative so that we don't end up just being jerked around or controlled by all these fears and things that are that are coming from a real place but don't really serve us in the present where there's really probably no danger going on. 
Right. Mm -hmm. And isn't that, that is what we take. That's the takeaway from the book. At least it is for me too. Yeah. Same here. Right. There are things in my past that were out of my control. Right. That tried to just sort of shape me, shape my life, tell me who I was. And at some point we stand up and we say, no, this is who I am. And I'm going to move forward and I'm going to keep that in focus. I am, you know, I, this is my divine identity. This is why I'm here. And that's exactly what she does in just a little bit of a more complicated way, right? Right, which really to me is so hopeful because if, if she yeah. can do it, coming from the background she came from, where most people would, you know, probably have just put her in a mental institution and just said, yeah. oh, sorry, you know, you're damaged beyond repair. I'm so grateful that she had a support system with her husband, her children, mm -hmm. and, and then this, this therapist. Well, you know, and, and these other therapists, ultimately got her to her therapist. They, they understood yes. this was a way above their pay grade and they understood it was out of their scope of practice. And right. I was grateful for them to recognize immediately that they, she needed deeper help. And, they, and mm -hmm. then she found it instead of trying to pretend that they somehow could help her um, right. in making things worse. And so I, I but again, my point, I, I guess, is that if someone from her background and situation is able to live a functional life, raise children, have a marriage, contribute, serve, connect in, in her community based on all the things that really in some way should have killed her spiritually, emotionally, maybe even physically. Mm -hmm. She, you know, any of us can do this work. Yeah, exactly. Right? It's, it's the power that we each have, the power of our spirits yeah. to be able to, to just forge through this thing. You know, they tried to break her body. They tried to break right. her soul, everything, but they couldn't break her spirit. They never yeah. were able to do that. I know. And, and it's know. the same for each of us. We can all find that strength within us. In the back of the book, when it was finished, and this is one of my favorite parts of the book, and it surprised me. Like the, the story was over, at least, you know, I ran out of pages. We were done <laughs> with the book, with the story part of it. And then all of a sudden there is this, this section in there where you took a couple of pages and just really provided a very nice summary of, in the afterward, I guess we call it, where you took two or three pages and really talked about four takeaways for you of what she taught you. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to spend some time on that because I really, I really feel like that to me is, is like you said, that's the whole point of this. It's, it's, we have to tell the story to understand the miracle, the, the growth, the healing, the light, everything else like that. And I want to talk about that. What were your personal takeaways, these four lessons that you learned from Margie? We've been talking about one of them. So this is the first one, of course, is trust your divine core. Right. Say more about that. Yeah. You know, she taught me that as I will never look at that quite the same. And to think of myself as I want to see myself and to know myself as God knows me, you know, that's my true divine identity and the purpose and the power that I have to make a difference in this world. She taught me that because that's exactly what she has to do on a daily basis. Every morning when she wakes up, she has to focus on me as a core. Who am I? I'm going to be out front today. And I want all of this other baggage to get behind me. Mm -hmm. And we can each do that every single day, regardless of what our crisis, the details are going to be different in our lives, but we can do that. We can find that power and that focus. So I'm, I just feel really blessed. I'm a better, stronger person for having met and learned her story. Where does someone start with that? accessing that divine core, like, you know, someone who maybe feels very overwhelmed, run over, 
incapable, right? Incapacitated from trauma or from horrible experiences. How do they start to tap into that? Yeah. You know, for me, just, just being, just being really involved in scripture study, I find it there for myself. I think the, the, the nuts and bolts are that I'm loved by God and by Christ. So, so much. We see references of it all throughout, regardless of the scripture, regardless of which standard works you're reading, it's there. And so that's where, that's where it happens for me. And so I take that, I take that belief that I am loved and I, I pull that into my prayers. And I'm not talking about just prayers and meditation that I might have at home or in the evening, you know, at 1030 at night, I'm talking about real heartfelt talks with God of this is what I'm feeling. This is where I think I'm going. This is what I'm afraid of. I really open myself up to him like I would a best friend. And I've found a whole new level of love and, and devotion in that respect. So for, yeah. for your audience, whoever that higher power is, whether it's God or Christ or you know something else, you have to make that an effort. That doesn't just come. You have to, you know, for me, it's study and it's Really having real conversations, very emotional, heartfelt conversations, not formal, rote conversations that are repetitive and just, this is what I'm supposed to be saying in a prayer. They're real, open, honest, crying, shouting, you know, respectful, loving. It's the whole gamut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just bringing where you're at to that, Mm -hmm. to that interaction. Right where you are, your whole messy self, start there, start with the mess Yeah. and then continue to take one step at a time. My wife, speaking of this divine core concept, my wife has an uncle who passed away a couple of years ago, but we, we were able to spend some time with him probably about a month before he passed away from cancer. But while he was receiving treatment for the cancer, he doesn't really call it a near-death experience, but he had an experience where he was taken. He's not sure if it had to do with like some of the medications he was on or whatever, but it was a very real experience for him where he was able to see himself sort of out of this world. And he saw himself as a being of light. And he said, he said to us, and he, he looked at us with only the way a dying person could with so much emphasis. And he just says, we are indestructible. He says, we are completely made of light. Like nothing can destroy us. And he just kept, you know, shaking his hands and just telling us and just trying to get it through our skulls, even though, right, even though we had not had that experience, but it touched something very deep inside of me where when I've been afraid of having a hard conversation or fear of rejection or believing that maybe I'm not enough or criticized or betrayed by someone, I go back to what he said at the core. He says, you are indestructible. You are made of light. Nothing can destroy you. Oh, I love that. And it I love just, that. and he, there's a lot, you know, I could fill two podcasts with our conversation. It was really phenomenal. But the core of what he said mm-hmm. has really stuck with me as, as if we really understood what we're made of, the material we're made of and what, and how we function and what really drives this engine inside of us. Right. I think we would take more courage and not be so scared. Right. We wouldn't let the fear yeah. sort of run our lives. Mm-hmm. Because we would just, yeah, we would take that courageous step into the unknown, into the darkness and say, I've got enough light to go forward with this. What's so interesting is with Margie in the story, just as I, I kept reading, like 
it's like she was able to tap into that without even consciously realizing she was tapping into that as a child. I know. I and know. I think again, that the, the different, the dissociation really protected her from that. And was this kind of uh, fail safe mechanism that allowed her to, to keep functioning and living. Right. But it was almost like she'd been through something and didn't even know her own story mm-hmm. and then started to wake up to it. But in that held on to the light. And I, yes, I love that she kept trusting that and didn't allow the horrors and the and the terror of what she'd been through become the final destination yeah what happens to margie is dark but Mm -hmm. she is light exactly beautifully put the second takeaway for you from this uh, experience with margie was uh, you wrote in there to to, uh to anchor ourselves in faith and hope Mm -hmm. yeah she taught me to to anchor to the right things if you're going to anchor yourself to hope you know, for her, it wasn't in people because people betrayed her. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in things. Her anchor for her was solidly placed in Christ. That's mm-hmm. where her anchor was. And she, she was able to continuously go back to that her entire life. She goes back to that every single day. And so that's that allowed her survival. It also allows her now to be this beautiful woman of good cheer and hope and everybody around her loves her. They can just feel this light within her. I think that's because her anchor is solidly placed in Christ. She emanates the light of Christ and you can just feel it when you're around her. So she, she taught me that we don't want to pull our anchors because our anchors cause us to drift. And that's always a danger when we drift. And I think it would have been so tempting and maybe even some people would have understood if she you know, felt like God betrayed her or that she was, you know, that she wanted to pull a banker and just say, well, I'll figure this out on my own. Nobody even has my back, not even God. How could they, you know, how could he let this happen? Exactly. But she didn't do that. She didn't do that. And now there are parts that believe that, right? There are parts that firmly believe there is no such thing as God and that God does not answer prayers, right? Because he didn't rescue in times of abuse. And so, but she's able to see that's where the, the identity comes forward, that divine identity comes forward and she is able to trump that and say, no, there is a God and Christ is solidly placed in my life and he's there to save us. So, you know, to the point that at at the end of the book, you know, you start to see her when she kneels in prayer, she prays for her parts and she hopes that her parts will feel that light of Christ. I mean, that just, that just made me cry when she told me that, you know, in, in some of my interviews and to just picture that scene of her kneeling with her the parts that have been abused and she wants them to heal and she wants them to feel peace. Yeah, I was so touched by that, like you're describing, just that she had so much compassion for mm-hmm. for what she had been through, but what had been fragmented inside of her and how she was gathering everyone to say, we got this, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, we got this. Come here, come with me and come let's here, yeah. feel peace. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. And that, that really is, I mean, that part's a choice, that part's a choice as far as the anchor. I mean, it's a very active yes. decision to link yourself up to, in her case, the savior, but, but that's not a passive thing by any stretch. No, we have to work at that. And that, um, you know, the, one of the other takeaways, I don't know if you were just going here, but it's persistence, you know, Mar- yeah, let's she talk taught about me, that. The third one yeah. is persistence. Yeah. She taught me persistence. How many times did that little girl's prayers go unanswered? right? So many unanswered prayers, you know, save me from this, get these people off of me, right? And yet she continues to persist to go to 
the savior and to go to her heavenly father and, and in prayer and ask for guidance and guidance and for peace and for light every single day. And so she's just, um, you know, she's taught me what real persistence looks like. That's what it looks like that. And we all have unanswered prayers in our life. We have, there are faith crises, there are wayward children, there are divorces, you know, there are all kinds of issues going on in everyone's lives that we feel like sometimes we have unanswered prayers. And um, she teaches me by her example, what to do when you feel like you have unanswered prayers, how to format that, how to, how to take one step and another step and another step and to continue to move forward with that faith that you might not understand everything. Right. It's, it's complete. It's movement. It's like you said, it's action in the, in the face of like zero answers, if anything, yes. complete opposition. And yeah, I was very inspired by that. I just thought, okay, nothing I go through at this point in my life will be as hard as what she's been through. Yeah. It just won't. I know mm-hmm. that. And, and it's not that we need to go around and compare who's got it worse, but the inspiration of taking inspiration from someone who's been through something so dark and difficult does encourage me to keep going and does encourage me to, to keep encouraging others to keep going. Yeah. Uh, Because like you said, the, that there will light will come answers will come. Hope will come like there's, or help will come. There's just so much to hold on for. And I think it's normal and understandable that a lot of people just feel like they better just give up. And it's like, no, no, don't (laughs) keep going, please. No. Yeah, please keep going. Endure to the very, very bitter end and, and endure yeah. it well, right? She teaches us how you endure it well, not just endure it. She didn't climb into bed and pull up the covers over her head and just say, yeah, somebody else needs to raise my children. You know, somebody right. else needs to right. endure this life. She did it every single day. And, you know, those prayers, something you mentioned, Jeff, that caught my attention too. And sometimes those prayers are answered in a different way than we are hoping that they would be For sure. answered you know, sure. in all of our lives. And I'll never forget the day that she called me, we had finished the book and it was getting some initial reviews from some beta readers out there who had read it. And it was just, you know, about to go to print. And she called me one day and she said, you know, for my entire life, I have prayed for peace and prayed for this to be taken away, to just somehow be miraculously healed right? From this, for the DID, for everything to just go away. And she said, for the first time in my life, I'm considering that maybe those prayers are being answered in a different way that I didn't see coming. Maybe my prayers are going to be answered in that I'm going to be able to serve others with my story. And I just, you know, wept over that. I mean, that, that is just so amazing that she can come full circle. She's still suffering, right? The DID is not going to go away. There's no magic pill. She's dealing with it. She's living with it. She's better with, you know, now dealing with it after some good therapy and and some able, able to step back and look at that. But she's able to say, okay, my prayers are answered differently than I wanted them to be, but I still see it as an answer. And I think it's that way often in our lives. We look back, we all have great hindsight, right? We look back and we're able to say, wow, now I get it. And it's so important that we find meaning in our suffering. We have to find meaning in our suffering because without that, it just seems senseless and cruel, but it's not like there's great purpose. And, and even though, I mean, my, my particular belief isn't that God is out there, you know, wanting his children to go through these things by any stretch, not at all. 
But I do believe that these things can be turned into deep and healing experiences for us and others. And I love that she, even after this book is written, is still making meaning and, and finding purpose yeah. in her own story. Right. Which, you know, doesn't have a bookend on it. Like she's, she's really still evolving and growing and learning and understanding and sorting through what she's been through. And I think that's how it is for all of us. I don't think that yeah. we can just sort of write the final chapter and just decide, well, this is what it means. And this is the conclusion. It's not like that. No, we gain a whole, right? Regardless of what we've gone through, we gain an entirely new perspective and an entirely new empathy. Right Now we really get something that we have the ability with that, I call it a gift. We have an ability with that gift of what we've been through to reach out and really change someone else's life and to be an influence for good. That's right. Yeah. Let's talk about the last takeaway that you wrote about. You talked about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Margie has a lot of cast of characters in her life that, you know, again, you, you would look at it and say, they don't deserve forgiveness. They don't deserve any grace. These people took advantage of a perfectly healthy, capable little girl and tried to destroy her. Mm -hmm. And so where's the forgiveness and all this? But yet, and as you talked about your interviews with her, but as I read in the book, I was like, man, she is just so full of goodness and light. It's incredible. Yeah. And how she's able to do this. Talk about the forgiveness, what you learned about that. Yeah, just that she's able to turn it over. She's able to take that. She's able to, to say to herself, okay, you know, I don't agree with what they did. You know, they tried to destroy me and there was some really bad stuff going on, but I, I'm going to turn, that's too heavy. That's too heavy for me to handle. So I'm going to turn that over to Christ and say, you be the judge. You take that. I'm going to forgive them in my heart and just say, I don't know why they did what they did. We don't know if her dad was abused by someone else, right? We sure. don't know. Did it go generations back? We sure. don't know those answers, but guess what? It stopped with her. That abuse in the family will never go forward. It stopped with her. That's remarkable. And she's able to just take that trauma and say, I forgive them for what they did. I don't understand. There's so many questions that will never be answered because they're both dead now. Her parents have both died. And so, but she's, that's okay. She's going to turn it over. She's going to turn it over and say, I wonder what's happening now with them. You know, I hope they're learning. I hope they're gaining some new understanding and learning to love the right way. Yeah. And of course, like all things, it, it was a process for her to get to that place. Sure. This was not, this was not a one-time decision. No. Um, because, you know, her, her mother was still actively abusing her in the way that she could, mm -hmm. you know, through, you know, emotional abandonment, criticism, shaming her. I mean, there's just denial. Oh, yeah. There was, there was just still so much. I mean, the, the mom held on to secrets and the abuse to the bitter end. And it was, it was hard to watch that, but it was again, inspiring to see Margie just make a decision that she wasn't going to let that contaminate her anymore. Right. Right down to, you know, kissing her on the forehead and goodbye, mom, you know, go home on yeah. her mom's deathbed, you know, right. who would be even caring for their mother in that situation? Who goes back yeah. and cares for their alien mother? It's just remarkable. It's a whole new level of forgiveness that I've never seen for myself. Yeah, it really invites me into a place of really reconsidering just how I've done relationships and how I do relationships. It's, it's going to take some downloading and some processing for me, just as I go and think about the book and her story and 
even this interview, just really recognizing that. So like going back to my wife's uncle's thing, you know, I think so much of why we don't forgive and why is we don't really understand what we're made of and where we come from and mm-hmm. that we don't have to hold on to that and somehow restore the balance of everything with our yeah. anger. We don't. Well, yeah. And, and, and we see in the book where she keeps a safe distance, you know, a safe as much as she can, a safe emotional distance from her mother, right? 100%, that's right. Right, so you you can sort of do the dance and you can still be respectful and forgiving and whatever amount of love you can show to people like that. But at the same time, she doesn't put, let herself be pulled into details anymore. She tries to keep, she that's puts right. up the boundaries, you know, safe, loving boundaries for herself. And I think we can all learn from that. Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad that you said that because I think a lot of the times, survivors of abuse are pressured either by themselves or by incorrect cultural messages or well-meaning people to put themselves back in harm's way as part of the forgiveness. And those that's not a part of forgiveness. Forgiveness is really releasing mm-hmm. um, your own bitterness yeah. and control. But yes, you have to be safe and protect yourself. And she did that. And she, right. and I'm sure her husband would not have allowed, he would have been trying to you know keep her at a safe distance because Exactly. You know, he, he definitely showed up in that way for her and Jay as well, her therapist. Mm-hmm. We're, we're exactly. working hard to keep her, you know, a lot of, a lot of abuse victims, a lot of abuse survivors, they, they're so vulnerable and they do get pulled back into situations where they, they become vulnerable again. And, and so it's, it's so reassuring and nice to know that she had that support from people on the outside who could, you know, help her see what was really happening. Yeah. Huge blessings in her life. And she recognizes oh, yeah. that, you know, yeah. she recognizes them as, incredible blessings and that, that God gave her a support system yeah. to help her through this life. Yeah. Yeah. It was so powerful. So overall, I know that, you know, without really reading the book, my listeners can't fully understand the scope of what we're talking about. So I definitely invite all of you listening to pick up a copy of this and, and read it and recognize that, that healing is totally possible under any circumstances. And that's what this teaches me. But for you, Heidi, like just as we wrap up here, I would love to hear from you. What overall for you, what what has this been like meeting Margie, telling her story, and then watching her response, your response, and the reception of other people as you've put this out in the world? Take yeah. me through that. What's what overall, what's this been like for you? Yeah, it's been incredible. You know, initially when I heard her story, my heart said, You need to, you need to do this. You need to dive in. This is your next calling. And but my head was screaming, you know, don't you dare, don't you dare go here. This is so big and this is so complicated. But I knew that, that I was led there. And so I'm grateful for that opportunity to do that. In all of the stories that I've written, they all deal with crisis. Initially, there's crisis in these right. people's lives. And I love the, the title of your show, which is, you know, From Crisis to Connection. That's exactly what I've seen in every story that I've written, particularly Margie's, is that that when crisis happens, we need to act and we need to find that connection to help us, you know, pull ourselves out of that face plant that we found ourselves in, in life. And so that takes some work. Connection does take work. It doesn't come on its own. Margie worked incredibly hard to find her connection to her therapist, the connection to herself, the connection to her faith to pull herself up, that takes work for all of us to do that. And so I feel like that's the takeaway from the book is finding that connection 
and finding the strength and the light that we possess within ourselves to rise up. We can do that. And I just firmly believe within my whole heart and soul that there are glimmers of hope out there that God wants us to see and to hear and to feel. And they're out there, but so often, myself included, in a dark situation or a dark season of our life, what do we do? We put the blinders on and we trudge up that mountain trail and just kind of shut down, right? To keep ourselves alive and to keep ourselves functioning. And really the hard thing that that we need to do to find that connection is we need to take those blinders off and look for those glimmers of hope that are out there. They're out there with people that are going to reach out and serve us. They're out there glimmers of, of hope that God puts out that just tells you I'm aware. When you know that God is aware of your suffering, even though the suffering isn't taken away at that moment, that can make all the difference. Yeah. Wow. So powerful. Yeah. And I contrast that with the image in the book where she talked about after you know abuse would happen, she would just curl up in this coal room, you know, downstairs in a basement and just kind of Mm -hmm. curl up in a fetal position and just try and hide and hope it would all go away. Yeah. And that's a very understandable, reflexive sort of primitive child reaction of trying to find safety, but she didn't stay there. No, she didn't stay there. She didn't choose to curl up and just disappear. And that's the connection is the, the, the willingness to just hold on, hold on, hold on, even when there doesn't seem to be any clarity, any hope. And she just kept doing that. And that, you know, like you said, that trust, that persistence, that, that, that willingness to do that mm-hmm. just speaks to how powerful light really is. Yeah. We can all do that. The details yep. are just different. As you know, Jeff, we can do therapy, it. Yep. the details are different, but we all encounter crisis and we can all find connection. I absolutely know that to be true from the stories that I've written. Heidi, thank you for bringing this story Thank you for answering the call to take your deep breath and brace yourself to dive into something very complicated because you could have very easily curled up yourself and just disappeared. <laughs> and so I'm grateful that you were willing to have the courage and, and trust your, you know, your answer and use your yeah. gifts to put this into words and pass it out to the world. So it's powerful. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jeff. And I hope you'll thank Margie for me. I'm sure you're still in contact with her, but please let her know that one more person and possibly hundreds, if not thousands more people are going to be exposed to her light and to what she's done. And hopefully she can know how inspiring uh, her life's work is for all of us. Thank you. Thank you. The emails that we receive are just, they just make us weep, really. I mean, when I receive one, I forward it to her. If she receives one, she forwards it to me. and life-changing scene. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of a difference that her story is making. And that's amazing. Where can people find the book, Heidi? It's in a lot of places. You can go straight to HeidiTucker.com. That's my website. You can email me or or give me a message there or purchase the book there. I'm all over Facebook, Instagram. I have a YouTube channel where I do little messages of hope each week. And it's also available on Amazon. It's on Amazon and actually it's at historyofthesaints.org. They love that book. And so they promote it along with some of their other really great pioneer stories. So it's available in a lot of places. Beautiful. Okay. Awesome. Heidi, thank you again. 
Thank you. You can learn more about Heidi and the great work that she's doing at her website, HeidiTucker.com. She's got an email list there, and you can also pick up a copy of her book, wherever books are sold. She's a fantastic person, a great resource, and just really thankful to have her on the podcast today. So thank you, Heidi. And as always, I want to thank all of you. Thanks for being a part of this community, for your great feedback and support, and the great questions and suggestions that you make about this podcast. It really does make a huge difference. You can find me on my website, fromcrisistoconnection.com. Find past episodes of the podcast, online courses, and of course, find me on social media as well. I'm always sharing lots of stuff, lots of great content, discoveries, and supportive information to help you move from crisis to connection. Thanks again for being here, and I'll catch you in the next episode.